Girlfriends, episode number 361, How to Get Over the Blues. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we are talking about a timely topic for many of us at the end of winter here, how to get over the blues. I can't wait to start this conversation. Let's go. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? So glad you're here. Thanks for showing up for this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. How's your Lent going? Is it going well? Are you off track? This is a good time to pause. You know, we're a little ways in now. So this is a good time to pause and kind of reassess. Like, what commitments did you make? Have you followed through on them? Have you been imperfect about it? Do you need to make a change? I think sometimes we forget that this is an option in our Lenten practices, that we kind of set a goal at the start of Lent. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And and sometimes that doesn't work out for whatever reason. Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes we had no business setting those kinds of goals in the first place you know, stuff happens. So I think it's helpful to like partway through, remind yourself that you can just pause and assess where you are in this Lenten season. Are you headed toward growing closer to God in whatever practices or penances you've decided to take on or whatever you've decided to give up? Well, assess that. This is a good opportunity to kind of just hit that pause button, look back over the the past few weeks as we started Lent here How has it gone? And it might be that you don't need to change your plan, but you need to recommit to your plan. Because I know I do this sometimes where I'll commit to something, uh, a new habit or a Lenten practice, and then something disrupts it, maybe for a weekend or some event happens and you get disrupted in it, fall off track. It's so easy then to just never go back to it. And, you know, if that's you, if you got derailed, okay, you know, figure out where you are, be honest with yourself and get back on track, make a new goal. So, I always remind people there's no way to fail at Lent. Sometimes we feel like it's like this test. Like I'm going to to get an A plus on Lent this year, but it's not like that. It really is a season where God is calling us to grow in holiness, to grow closer to him, to learn more about his plan for our lives, to learn to pray more, to learn to offer up more, to become a holier, more humble person. So, what that looks like is going to be different for every one of us. And there's no one right way to do it. And you might've made an excellent plan, a perfect plan, but for whatever reason, it's not working out. So I want to invite you to just pause, consider, where are you at right now? Is it going well? Good. Then just, you know, reaffirm your commitment to those goals and carry on. But if it's not going quite the way you thought, if there are things that are getting in the way, things you didn't anticipate or things you should have anticipated or whatever, just, you know, forgive yourself for being where you are and start again. That's that's the Christian experience, right? Begin again. Metanoia, always turning away from sin, always reforming ourselves. And Lent is a way that the church really invites us into this season of doing that in a very conscious way. Of course, this is what we're meant to be doing throughout our lifetimes. But during these 40 days of Lent, we are called to do it in a very deliberate way. We're meant to be very conscious of our turning away from sin and turning toward God. So whatever that looks like for you right now, uh, I want to encourage you to own where you are and make a positive plan going forward for the remainder of Lent. 
just a little pep talk and a little reminder that you can so do that. I think sometimes the temptation is like, well, I made these goals for Lent. I'm off track. I haven't done them. Uh, I've messed up in all these ways. So just forget it and, you know, hold on till Easter. But that's not what God wants for you. He wants better for you. And I want better for you. So reassess or recommit and move forward with positivity. All right, that's the Lenten pep talk. (laughs) But this week's topic is how to get over the blues. Now, okay, so first of all, a caveat at the start of this conversation, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I certainly would never record a podcast to tell you how to get over that, right? So if you need medical intervention or suspect that you might, maybe start there. You know, go to the doctor and share with somebody that you you might need help in that way. So if you think that's what's going on, then, you know, for sure, seek out the help that you need to get well again. But what I'm talking about here is the blues, the kinds of blah, sometimes people call them the winter blahs, the doldrums. Of course, they can happen any time of year, but it's very common to happen kind of toward the end of the winter season. And living up here in the Northeast, as I do, it is still very much a winter. Like we've got snow on the ground. We've got cold days. Uh, But then every once in a while, you know, like I'll step outside my front door and hear birds singing. And it's different birds. It's springtime birds. I don't, I'm not, you know, what are they, an ornithologist? Is that who studies birds? Anyway, I'm not that. Uh, so I can't name all the birds, but they have a different sound in the spring because there are different birds that are kind of moving into the area. And it's like this nice little hopeful sound or I'll hear like, you know, wa- water rushing in our nearby woods. And it's a, a very springy sound. And it's such a, such a sign of hope and joy. It, those kind of warmer spring days where it feels like everything's melting and dripping. I, I always like to say to, to the kids, Aslan's on the move, right? From Narnia, when that great thaw is happening because Aslan's on the move. Well, I love it when Aslan's on the move, but maybe he's not yet in your corner of the world, or maybe he is and your blahs have nothing to do with the weather. You know, you might live in Arizona and you're, you know, dealing with 90 degree heat right now and you're not, you're not missing sunlight the way some of us are, but you can still have the blahs. You can have the blues, you know, any time of year and in any place where you, where you live. And what I'm talking about here is just that, that kind of feeling like you're stuck in a rut or you're tired of things, or maybe you're feeling irritable with your kids or with your coworkers, just because everything just feels like blah, you know, I'm sick of it. And that's very normal. (laughs) First, I want to assure you that's normal. What's not good, though, is to stay there or to embrace that and to just allow yourself to spiral downward from there. So I'm going to share with you some ideas for for ways to get over the blues. All right. The first one I want to say is examine your life. If you are feeling blah, if you are feeling like you're just not excited about life. If, you know, you're getting out of bed in the morning and you just feel like, oh, why can't I just sleep in and not really motivated, not energetic, not feeling, you know, super happy or joyful a lot of the time. What's going on in your life? Take a look. It might just be the winter blahs and you're not getting enough sunlight. That is a very real and scientific thing. Seasonal affective disorder is a very real thing. Lack of vitamin D is a very real thing. Uh, I've shared with you before, If you suspect you might be low on any vitamins or or deficient in any basic way, get a blood screening. Just figure out what's going on with you. So I I mentioned at the start, you know, you might need to go to the doctor to see if you're dealing with some um, form of a diagnosable depression. But you might need to go to your doctor just because maybe something physical is going on with you. If you're feeling tired all the time, if you're feeling irritable, if you're you know lacking energy, lacking motivation, 
there there could be a physical cause for that. Um, I've shared with you before here on the podcast that a few winters ago, that was me. I was feeling so tired and blah. And and sometimes, you know, it's just a subtle difference. And so we just keep on keeping on, right? Which is what I was doing. But then I started having joint pain and I was avoiding going to the doctor because I started Googling and I was like, oh my gosh, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Like I thought I had this autoimmune disorder and I was dreading like having to go on medication, this being a lifelong issue. So I was, I was really having a lot of joint pain and I didn't want to find out what it was, and which was so dumb, right? So finally I did go. I had a, a checkup with my doctor, did a basic blood screening, immediately came back, showed I was severely deficient in vitamin D. And my doctor told me most people are deficient in some capacity in some nutrients. So find out what your deal is and maybe you need to change up your diet to address it. Um, with the vitamin D thing, it was such an easy fix where she gave me this high dose vitamin D supplement to take within days my joint pain was alleviated. So, so dumb that I suffered for so long and I don't want you to do the same. So it might not be vitamin D for you, but whatever you're feeling, you know, there might be a basic vitamin deficiency or something like that going on. Get a checkup, just get checked out. So, but also just examine your life. What is going on? Sometimes we can kind of fall into the spiral of negative thinking, negative feeling, just feeling blah. And we don't know the exact cause of it because we haven't paused to look at what's going on in our lives. And maybe you're going through something very stressful. Maybe there's something really stressful going on at work. Maybe you're suffering health issues or somebody you love is. Maybe you're having marital stress. Maybe you've got problems in parenting with your kids or with your kid's school or you know any number of things. Maybe you've suffered a loss. Maybe you've lost a friend or lost a, a parent. Maybe you're grieving something and you haven't allowed yourself the time to do that or haven't allowed yourself even the opportunity to acknowledge that something hard is going on in your life. I totally get it if that's what you're doing, because I tend to do that too. And I think uh, many women, especially women, uh, do this where we've got so much going on in our lives and so much that needs to be done. We're such heroes at getting all the things done that something traumatic can happen or something can be very disruptive to your life or cause you additional stress or sorrow. And we don't take the time to process it. We don't take the time to even acknowledge it. So that would be my first thing to suggest that you do is examine your life, examine yourself physically, but also examine yourself emotionally and spiritually. Where are you at and why are you there? What is going on in your life that could be causing you to feel this kind of stress? And, and you know what? It might be that you need some help doing that. You might need to talk to a counselor. You might just talk to a good girlfriend. You might talk to your husband. But find a way to really just examine your life. Having another person that you trust be part of that conversation is really helpful because we have such a hard time seeing this as women sometimes, I think, because of what I said. You know, we're so busy and we get distracted with so many things and we're so focused on getting all the things done, serving the people in our lives, taking care of everybody else, that sometimes we forget to pause and consider what's going on in our own lives. And, and that's to our detriment. So pause and examine would be the first thing that I would suggest that you do. All right. And the second thing, if you're going through any kind of blahs or blues that I would suggest you do is look at your prayer life. Are you making time every day to specifically focus on prayer? Do you do this first thing in the morning? Do you make a morning offering? Do you seek to connect with God throughout your day? Where are you at with that? Because this isn't something to ignore. And whatever's going on in your life, 
whatever you're dealing with, either emotionally or, you know, physically, health-wise, it's all can be affected by prayer. Now, I'm never going to tell you that you can pray away depression or pray away your health problems. Of course, um, you know, it doesn't work that way. But prayer is always something that needs to be part of the way we are addressing a problem in our lives. Because ultimately, if you're feeling out of sorts, if you're feeling off balance, then perhaps you're not connected with God the way that you're meant to be. Because no matter what's going on in our lives, we can go through some very hard, very stressful, very unpleasant, very painful things, but we can have peace as we go through those things if we're properly connected with our creator in the way that he intended. That ultimately is the goal of our prayer lives, is to have that sense of peace. Prayer doesn't fix all of the problems. All the problems are still going to be there. But prayer gives us the proper perspective on them. And it gives us the strength that we need. It gives us real grace to deal with the things that God puts in our lives. So I'm not here to guilt trip you, but I am here to say, do you have time set aside every day that is specifically focused on prayer? Even if it's just five minutes in the morning or on your lunch break or before you go to bed, do you have that in your schedule? Where in your Lent, especially these days, where are you making time to be still and know that he is God? Where are you doing that? And, you know, we can't afford to ignore the example that even our Lord set for us. Over and over again in the Gospels, we read these passages where Jesus is, you know, causing a sensation, healing crowds and performing miracles. And then in the next lines, we read that he went away to be alone and pray. Early in the morning, he rose before anybody else was up and went away to pray. Well, we need to be doing that. And he's setting that example for us because Jesus, of course, is God, right? So you might think, why does he need to pray? He needed that connection with the Father, and we need that connection with our Creator. And he did that to set a beautiful example for us of what it means to be human means to set aside that time for prayer. And it is a discipline. You do have to be disciplined about it. You do need to be deliberate because I am here to tell you, if you do not make time in your schedule ahead of time, then you know the the right time to pray isn't going to just open up. You know, I just had a friend share with me that this Lent, she was really trying to make a new prayer practice in the morning. But every morning she would tell herself, oh, I've got all these different things going on. The kids need me, you know, got to do stuff for work, whatever. And she would put it off. She would put it off telling herself, I will pray, quote unquote, better at my lunch break. And then it just doesn't happen. And she said, I need to be honest with myself that it needs to be put first or it's not going to happen. And I think that's the experience so many of us have, that you, you've got good intentions. I know because I do the same thing. It's like nothing but the best intentions. Yes, I will pray better at this later time in the day or whatever. We put it off. But, you know, and I'm not saying you can't pray later in the day, but I am here to tell you that you need to have it on your schedule. When are you going to do it? When will it work for you? And there's no one right time to do it. The one right time to do it for you is when you can actually follow through when it actually makes sense for your schedule, when you're least likely to get interrupted or distracted. So find a way to do that. Are you praying? Make that example of Jesus a living example for you in your life where he went away to pray. So too do you need to go away to pray. How are you going to do that? All right. The third thing I want to suggest um, if you are experiencing the blues and looking to get over the blues is Take a look at what you're eating. What is your diet like? Because this very much affects our moods. We don't often make this connection. We can make the connection between what we eat and how we look, 
like I don't want to eat that because I'm going to gain weight or I do want to eat this healthy food because I want to be strong. You know, all of these things, we, we kind of make these connections with our physical selves, but I think we don't often enough make the connection with our emotional selves. You know, food affects our moods and sugar, sorry, had to talk about it. <laughs> had to talk about it because I need to hear about it too. Sugar is one of those things. It's a beast. It is a beast because you can get on this cycle of eating sugar and it just becomes like more, 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 more. And by sugar, I mean, yes, sweets, cookies, cakes, that sort of thing, but also sugar in your coffee, sugary drinks, the sugars of like, you know, super refined processed carbohydrates, you know, like white flour, sugar, quote unquote, eating that white flour bagel or whatever. All of these things. They affect our moods because they are like this sugar high, this click, click, click energy, right? I love it, right? And But then it's always inevitably followed by this crash and then the wanting more sugar and always needing more, more, more. It kind of becomes this thing. I, I know for me anyway, when I begin to eat sugar regularly uh, rather than occasionally, which is truly what I believe God's plan is for my life, is for sugar to be an occasional thing that it just becomes more and more. And before you know it, it's like you're just riding one sugar high to the next and having these crashes in between, which affects your mood. Of course it does, okay? So think about what you're eating and pay attention to your diet and maybe make a, a change. I'm not telling you have to cut out all sugar, but it is Lent and maybe you're doing that anyway. You know, one time when I really became aware of like the physical response of my body to sugar was when um, my husband Dan and I were eating a like almost keto diet for we, we did it together for I don't know it wasn't Lent it was some other thing and we set aside like a set number of days I don't know how long we did it but it was a good long while where it truly had become a habit where I was really not eating any sugar of any kind and I felt great but there was at one point, I, I think I was making a birthday cake for somebody and I went to frost the cake and I was like, well, what the heck? I've been so good about this. I'm just going to taste this frosting. And the minute, I'm not even kidding. You're going to think I'm lying. The minute it touched my tongue, I just felt this like chemical response in my body. And it was like zing, click, 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 ding, 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 right to my brain, like super stimulated, like dopamine hit. And I was just so kind of shocked at that response. And it really made me realize the power that sugar has to affect our moods, but affect ourselves physically, um, affect the way that we're, we're feeling our, our emotions and our moods ultimately. So if that's you, pay attention, especially to sugar, but look at what you're, what you're eating and, and pay attention to how you feel after you eat certain kinds of foods. Not physically. I mean, of course, physically pay attention to that, but also how you feel emotionally. Are you feeling energized? Or are you feeling blah, sluggish, demotivated? Or do you get this like you ride this high after you eat something and then come crashing down even lower than you were before? Pay attention to those kinds of cycles and those responses to your eating. All right. The fourth thing I want to suggest for how to get over the blues is to look outward, look beyond yourself. Now, I'm not going to beat you up here and say you're feeling the blues because you're so self-focused and you're paying attention to yourself. Of course you are, though. We all are. <laughs> so be honest about that and look for ways to deliberately put your energy toward other people connecting with other people. Now that might mean, you know, just connecting with your husband, with your kids, with your coworkers or with your neighbors or with other parents at your kid's school that you run into in the pick up and drop off lines. You know, 
look for ways to connect and, and look outward to people and look for ways to generously connect with other people. Something as simple as paying compliments, verbalizing the things that are good in the people around you, complimenting your kids, complimenting your coworkers, complimenting a random person you pass in the supermarket that, you know, she's having a great hair day or whatever. Just be very outward looking, generously outward looking toward other people, ways that you can give. Of course, you can be even more deliberate about this, especially during the season of Lent. It's appropriate to look for ways to give of your time in a volunteer capacity. Another thing I would suggest is just look for, you know, a need in your community. There are so many organizations that are kind of creatively meeting needs of other people in your community or helping you to connect. I'm aware of a few in my area that you can connect with through a Facebook group or through a website. And um, one really cool one is you can just sign up and say, like, put me on a list of potential volunteers to help out in like this particular neighborhood. I love this because they will just put out a message and you'll get the message. Either you get it texted to your phone or you get an email and it will say like, this person needs help picking up groceries. Like, and you know, it's right in your area, right in your community and you can volunteer to do it. Or this person needs their sidewalk shoveled or, you know, whatever. This person needs their pet brought to the vet or this person needs a ride to their appointment or something like that. And it's such a great way to feel really connected with your community is being generous with your time in that way, meeting somebody else's need. It might mean volunteering at like a crisis pregnancy center or a food pantry or an after school program for kids. You know, there's all kinds of good things going on in your community. I promise you. Get out there and find out what they are and look for how you can get involved with them and start to reach out beyond yourself in in some of the most basic ways that take very little effort, you know, just connecting with other people and being positive and offering a word of encouragement or a word of praise, but also maybe volunteering in some capacity. Or like I've talked about here before, this kind of idea of personally volunteering, meaning be the person that calls up your mother-in-law when you know she's going to talk and talk and talk and talk, you know, or be the person that's going to text a friend and just offer a word of encouragement or, you know, looking beyond yourself and in personal ways, but also in your community. It's really a great way to like motivate yourself and begin to feel some of that positive energy. We're meant for connection with other people. And this, this is a very positive way of kind of seeking out that connection. All right. Number five, I want to suggest if you're going through the blues is be kind to yourself. We are terrible about this. I hate the concept of self-care. I, well, I don't hate the concept of it. I hate the, the words because I think people always think it's like, you know, bubble bath, spa, getting your nails done. And uh, that might be self-care for you. But I like the idea. I like to just call it being kind to yourself. Sometimes we're the last people in the world that we are kind to. We speak negatively to ourselves. We neglect our own needs. We put ourselves last all the time. But I want to encourage you, especially if you're feeling the blues in any way, if you're feeling unmotivated, if you're feeling down, then look at a way to be kind to yourself, one small way at least to be kind to yourself every day. Do something that's just for you, whether it's taking just a few minutes to enjoy a cup of tea by yourself or, you know, what what else might you enjoy? Uh, listening to some music that you really enjoy or watching a movie that you love or reading a book, just making time to kind of be a little bit indulgent with yourself. I know it's Lent, so, you know, take it easy with the indulgences, but Look for a way to be kind to yourself. 
And the other part of being kind to yourself is just paying attention to how you speak to yourself, paying attention to your thoughts. Is your thought pattern towards yourself cruel and judgmental, harsh and unkind? So many times we speak to ourselves and our own voice in our own heads, that kind of running narrative you have running through your head for some of us is so negative and so hurtful and so unkind and so judgmental. It's ways we would never speak to anybody else. And we would be so upset if we heard somebody else speak to someone we love in that way. So why do we let ourselves speak to ourselves in this way? So pay attention to your thoughts. Make sure you're being kind in your thoughts. Make sure you're being encouraging of yourself in your thoughts. Now, this is going to maybe sound a little woo-woo or whatever, but it's real. The way that you think affects how you feel and then the way that you feel affects how you act. So pay attention to your thoughts and you're the boss of your thoughts. You get to decide what you're thinking. Now, you can't help it if a sudden thought comes to mind like, you know, you mess something up and your immediate thought is, I'm such an idiot, right? Well, okay, maybe that's your immediate thought. Well, recognize that's your immediate thought and reject it. Give yourself grace, give yourself space and say, okay, I messed that up. I'm going to do better, you know? Or uh, I messed that up. Here's how I'm going to fix it. And I messed that up. Everybody messes things up sometimes. Nobody is perfect. Just remind yourself of these things and talk to yourself, especially if you're going through something hard. Talk to yourself the way that you would talk to a friend who's going through something similar. Talk to yourself like you're somebody that you love. And be kind in the way that you treat yourself, just with the way you spend your time, making sure that your your needs for, you know, sleep and rest are getting met. But beyond that, are you enjoying something every day? Look for something that you'll really enjoy. It doesn't have to be something that takes a ton of time or effort, but you owe that to yourself. Do something every day that's just for you and that you're going to enjoy, but also be paying attention to your thoughts and make sure they're, they aren't unkind as well. All right, next, you know, I'm going to say this one. <laughs> Every time I make a list here on Girlfriends, it includes this, which is, okay, did you guess it? All right, exercise, (laughs) get physical, move your body. It doesn't have to be formal exercise. You don't have to sign up and join a gym and sign up for an exercise class, but move your body. Your body is connected to your mind, is connected to your spirituality. So it affects how you feel. And there's actually a very physical response to exercise in the human body, which is to produce endorphins, which is a hormone which makes you feel good. Hello. You might never get a runner's high. I hear people say like, I don't understand people get a runner's high. I can run for like five miles. I still feel awful. But it doesn't have to be a high. But that boost in your mood, that boost in your energy, there's nothing that can replace it just move your body, find a way. It doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be formal exercise, but if that's your thing or if that will help you to do it regularly, yeah, do a program, sign up for something, sign up for a challenge or, but you know, it doesn't have to be like that. If you're feeling down, like say you're, you know, you're working at home in the afternoon and you're just feeling blah, take a break. And and here's something that I do. I do this quite regularly. Not so much since I tore my ACL. This is one of the things that I I regret most is I can't take a break and just, this is what I do, used to do, run up and down the stairs like 10 times. (laughs) It's stupid, but it's so simple and it just gets you a little out of breath. It gets your, your blood flowing a little bit and I feel great. I love it. And, you know, just doing something like that, it doesn't have to be the stairs. You might do jumping jacks or squats or walk around your house or go outside for a walk. And, you know, sometimes we kind of fall into the the habit of thinking about exercise as like 
all or nothing. Like it has to be a formal exercise program or it's not really exercise at all. But exercise is just about moving your body. And you can get great exercise by like, you know, vacuuming or mopping your floors or just walking around your house, putting things away or going for a walk in your neighborhood or, you know, doing something outdoors with your kids. But, you know, so that counts too. All of these ways that were physical in our days, those also count. Just look for a way to get more physically active in your day and be more deliberate about it. Maybe have certain breaks built into your day. If you don't want to have like exercise for 30 minutes in the morning before I get started with anything else, that might be exactly what works for you. But some people are just never going to be that kind of person. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean you're the kind of person that needs to be sitting all day long. You need to be moving too. So look for ways that you can do that. And one helpful way is to just kind of build breaks into your day. And whatever your schedule is, whether you're working or you're at home with kids, look for ways that you can have kind of a natural break in your schedule and build some physical activity into that. Even something that takes just a few minutes can make a huge difference in your mood. Even just taking five minutes and doing some basic stretches. Maybe you want to do this sometimes in the evening while you're watching television or when you're with your husband or with your kids. Like just doing some stretching is really, it feels good. It's good for your health and it can really give you your, your mood a boost as well, make you feel more connected with yourself physically. Sometimes that kind of blah feeling, that blues feeling can come from a real disconnect with our physical selves. And, you know, restarting that connection can be as simple as doing some daily stretches or doing some daily activity and really experiencing and being conscious of moving and using your body in the way that God intended. So look for a way to be more physical. That exercise is a key component in getting well, feeling good. All right, last thing I'm going to say, if you're feeling the blues, cancel some stuff. (laughs) Just cross some things off your calendar and build some margins into your daily schedule. This doesn't have to be forever, you know, like if you're going to quit doing something that you have, you know, a social obligation for, doesn't mean you never go back to it. But maybe just give yourself a little space. Maybe you're feeling run ragged from all the things that you're doing. You're feeling burnt out from doing too many things and not enough meaningful things. So cross some things out. You know, my good friend, shout out to Sam Fatzinger, who's a longtime listener of Girlfriends, but also my real life friend and just a a very dear friend who offers a lot of feedback to girlfriends all the time. So I know she's listening. Hey, Sam. She, She once told me that she had a pastor that shared with her that the word busy is, it stands for being under Satan's yoke. And that has really stayed with me. Like, do you want to be under Satan's yoke? You know, sometimes we think of busy as something that is actually a virtue in itself, but it absolutely isn't. It is not a virtue to be busy all the time. And sometimes we just keep filling up our calendars and adding things on our to-do lists and signing our kids up for stuff without properly pausing to see if it makes sense for us. Without pausing and thinking, is this going to be worth what it costs me in terms of time, energy, money, effort? Is it going to be worth what it costs my family in terms of downtime alone together in our home, being a family? So, take some things off your schedule. We all are doing too many things. I promise you, there are things you can take off your schedule. Say no to some things. Cross some things off and see if you don't feel better just having that little bit of margin built into your days. So cancel some stuff. All right, those are my, I guess there are seven of them. Seven different ideas for ways to get over the blues. First, examine your life. Examine your daily schedules, what you're dealing with, but also physically examine what's going on with you. Number two, 
make time for prayer every day, non-negotiable. Number three, think about what you're eating and how it might be affecting your moods. Four, look outward, seek to make connections with other people in your life. Number five, be kind to yourself in your thoughts, in your words, and in your deeds. Uh, Number six, get physical. Exercise, look for a way to move your body. And number seven, cross some things off your schedule. Cancel some stuff. You might have some ideas for ways to get over the blues, or maybe you want to share something that has worked for you. We would love to hear it. I would love to share your ideas in a future episode of Girlfriends. So send them to me. I always love to get feedback from you all. Send me an email at danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean, pretty much on every form of social media. Easy to find, easy to connect. And I would love to know your feedback, your thoughts about today's episode or ideas for a future episode. Coming up, we've got a question that I received from a listener in that kind of feedback. Uh, But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, here's the gut check right here, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan friar of the Renewal, and I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. Okay, welcome back. I've got a question this week that came to me by email from listener Anna. And Anna writes, Hello, Danielle. I'm a new listener and I enjoy your show. I'm 18 years old and I feel as though I'm called to marriage. The only problem is that I have never gone on a date in my life. I am an introvert and I struggle to get out of the house and meet people. Do you have any advice for how to meet people, especially good Catholic men? Thank you and God bless Anna. P.S. I have often heard the advice to go to the traditional Latin mass or to parishes with young people. I can't exactly do that as I live with and go to Mass with my family. Okay, Anna, first of all, thrilled to have an 18-year-old listening to Girlfriends. There really is just a wide range of ages among the Girlfriends community. I love it. I love that we have young people. love that we have everybody, every age and stage of life and grandmas and even a great grandma who I remember wrote to me one time. So we're all over the place. But you know what I love about that? It's that... As different as our lives can be and when we can be in different stages and places in our lives, that we're, we're, we truly have so many things in common and there's so much to be gained from sharing our common experiences, but also so much to be learned from sharing about the different, different ways that Catholic women are living out their faith and family lives. So that's, part, that's what Girlfriends is all about. That's why I'm here. And that's why I'm grateful you're here too. So anyway, just a little aside. First of all, Anna, I want to say good for you for having this goal and for articulating it. I, I think it's great. And it shows a lot of maturity on your part that you're feeling called to marriage 
and thinking, okay, how do I get there? You know, what what steps might I need to take in my life to make sure that I'm going to meet a good Catholic spouse? And so that's great. I, I think it's wonderful. So good for you and good on your parents. They obviously have been raising you well. So you mentioned the idea of going to mass and you think you can't do it because you go to mass with your family. I mean, I understand that, but I, I will encourage you to think about perhaps there's a parish that's different from your home parish nearby that does have a lot of young people at it. And maybe you could go to an extra mass during the weekend to meet people there or just, you know, join up with whatever social activities they might have going on or faith formation activities they might have, whether they have a young adults group or they might be doing a parish study or they might have different social activities for young people. You know, look around you at the, you are totally allowed to do this. Like, you know, we belong to a parish and yet you are allowed to participate in other neighboring parishes activities or, or groups or clubs or, or things that they have going on. So I would encourage you to look into that to find out, you know, where Catholic young people are in, in your community and how you might get to know some of them. Also, I would I would recommend that you look into possibly, you know, getting out in your community a little bit, taking a class or joining a group that, you know, something, some interest you might have in common. It might be a book club at your library, or you might take a, a local photography class or join a hiking club. If nothing else, doing that and kind of getting out and meeting other people, um, you may not, you know, meet your future husband on, you know, on the hike, but getting out and doing things and meeting other people will boost your confidence and it will help you to kind of refine what your goals are and think about the kind of person that you might like to meet, that you might be looking for, the kind of person that you would be attracted to. And it can just give you confidence in in social situations. You know, you say you're introverted, you're feeling a little shy. Well, you know, interacting with other people without necessarily having specifically in mind, I need to find a good Catholic spouse, you know, when I join this group or this club or this activity, just, you know, getting to know yourself a little bit more and gaining confidence in social situations. So, you know, doing some of those things, even, you know, very secular activities can be a great way to do that and really enjoy some things too, you know, join up with things that you might enjoy, things that you are interested in. And then finally, I'm going to say, and now I'm not just saying this because my daughter works for them. <laughs> but consider joining, creating a profile on Catholic Match. So Catholic Match is an online dating site for Catholics that are specifically looking to get married. And this is what I love about them. And they're not paying for this promotion in any way, shape or form. But I do love Catholic Match. I love the concept of it. I, I've... I met my husband in high school, so I never used Catholic Match to find a date. But I know so many people that have met wonderful people that are now in good, holy marriages because they met their spouse on Catholic Match. So I really think it can be a great tool. And some people reject it just out of hand. They're like, no, you know, like an online dating is not for me. But open your mind up a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying this to you, <laughs> Anna. I I don't know where you stand with regard to online dating, but it can be a really great way to meet people. And you can refine your search. Like, I only want to meet people in my area, or I only want to meet people in this age range, or, or people that, you know, you can be very specific. But I, I would encourage you to just do that, to explore you know, new people that you might meet that have that same goal of having a good holy Catholic marriage and just looking for the person that that God wants them to share that vocation with. So don't reject it. <laughs> I think it's a great tool. And, and what I especially love about Catholic Match is it's like, it's not for casual dating. 
And that doesn't mean that whoever you date on there, you have to know that you're going to marry them. No, not at all. But the people there are serious about looking for a Catholic person to get married to. And there are things, you know, you might have some non-negotiables with regard to, you know, finding a fellow Catholic to marry. Like you you want them to be practicing the faith and accepting all the teachings of the Catholic Church. Like this is a great way to find somebody that meets those specific criteria before you put the effort into getting to know them or, or beginning to date them. And, you know, it also has that kind of a little bit of, it can be a little bit co- more comfortable for someone who's introverted, like you you say, Anna, to begin in this way because it you know you're kind of hiding behind the screen a little bit and you there are ways that you can video chat with people before you might meet them in person and it can kind of help you progress incrementally toward meeting a person in real life and potentially dating them in a way that's maybe going to be helpful to your comfort zone but all of that said Anna I want to encourage you I just said the words comfort zone I want to encourage you to step outside your comfort zone a little bit it's going to be a little bit challenging and you've you've told me you have this goal And I think it's wonderful that you have a goal of wanting to get married. And so, you know, achieving that goal sometimes requires us to do hard things. And it might mean getting outside your comfort zone in that you might introduce yourself to somebody, male or female, to join a a social group at a church or in some other way in your community. Might mean getting outside your comfort zone and making an online profile at Catholic Match or, or somewhere else. But look for ways to challenge yourself just a little bit. And uh, step outside your comfort zone a little bit to work toward that goal of meeting a Catholic man that you can marry. So those are my tips from a seasoned mom, now grandma, (laughs) that I can offer to you. And I appreciate you, Anna, and I'm going to be praying for you specifically as you're working toward that goal of finding out what God's plan is for you and your vocation in life. If like Anna, you have a question that you'd like for me to take up in this segment of the podcast, I would love to hear it from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. Also Voxer. I love Voxer because it's an easy way to send a voicemail. If you want to connect with me on Voxer, the link to do that is always in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. And now that I mentioned the show notes, I've got to tell you, pause right now. If you haven't done it, if you are not subscribed to the show notes, do it right now. Go on your phone, text the word girlfriends to 33777. Easy as that. And you'll be subscribed to receive the show notes every week in your inbox. You won't ever miss out on the good stuff that we're sharing here, the different people that I talk to, the different links that I share, the different resources that our guests are sharing about. I know you want all that good stuff, but most importantly, I want us to be connected every week. I don't want you to miss a single episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So the easy way to do that is text the word girlfriends to 33777. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being part of today's show. I truly appreciate the time that we get to spend together here each week. I am grateful for you and your presence here, and I do not take that for granted. Thank you so much for being part of the Girlfriends community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension the leader in Catholic faith formation.